fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It is a Tuesday, the post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week here on the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Welcome in broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station all over the country, radio and TV, plus our live streaming and our podcasting. doesn't matter where you're at watching or listening. We appreciate you, your millennial general, reporting for duty the way we do every single day. And boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling good. Yesterday, kind of in a weird wonky mood. Today, doing a lot better. I don't know why, just kind of a different day. Who knows? Sun's out, maybe a little bit more. Maybe that's why. Who knows? Coming up on the show today, Phil Kirpin. He's the president of American Commitment. We've had him on the show many times before. We'll get him back on at the bottom and look forward to chatting with him. We're going to talk about the teachers at unions getting back into school for the next semester in the fall, how this last year went with the education system and more. So look forward to chatting with him in just a little bit. You can find us all over the interweb. I've been spending a lot of time on there today. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, LinkedIn, also on OurFreedomBook.com, on TikTok.com, and on Instagram.com. All of them, you can find us at Hoosier Reason, uh, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason, also on the website at HoosierReason.com. I laughed out loud a little bit today, I have to admit. I was going through some show prep, looking at different headlines and stories and things, and there's a lot of things I want to try and get to today. There's a global tax thing going on, also some fraud with the PPP loans. I also did a thing today, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, but as I was going through all of these headlines, I saw a headline from MSN, which I have to admit, I thought MSN was almost kind of like dead and gone. Like, I don't hear much about MSN anymore, and yesterday and today, there's two major headlines from MSN. They're trying to step up their game a little bit. And the headline is actually a shared story from the Washington Post. And I laughed out loud when I saw the headline because I couldn't believe, I mean, it makes sense they have to for their survival, but good luck. And here's the headline. Can cable news win over young viewers? At MSNBC, a 40-year-old now new, uh, a 40-year-old now new president is going to try as they talk about the leadership change over at uh, CNBC, where the average age for adults watching cable TV and cable news is in their 60s. An audience that television news industry analysts call positively geriatric at MSN, uh, MSNBC. The medium age has been at 68, four years older than CNN, according to the latest data from Nielsen. That's up from the medium age of 65 in 2017. Uh, as you know, Nielsen does ratings for both radio and TV. And there's daily reports, there's monthly reports, there's quarterly reports for the ratings, and they always, that's that's all it is. It's all it's just a battle on the ratings, a battle of who you can get, what stories you have. That's why you saw uh, CNBC come out and was it CNBC? I think it was CNBC. They came out and lied about a story a while ago. There was a break about like they filled up cars driving through this vaccination clinic, a mobile vaccination clinic in Georgia or Virginia or somewhere in the East Coast a while back because they wanted it to seem full when literally no one was actually there. So the doctors and nurses were just faking giving COVID vaccines there because no one wanted it. No one wanted it, but they had to make it look good. So they had to appeal. That's what the media does. And that's why other than, I guess, the, the the older demographic that wants to watch about what's going on in their local community, they don't care. 
Nobody cares anymore. Even Fox News, I hate to say, but Fox News has gone that way as well. I don't watch Fox News anymore. I haven't since the election, and I'm not planning on to in any time, uh, any way, shape, or form anytime soon. Attracting young viewers, according to the story from MSN, has long been the white whale of the cable news industry. As uh, the former NBC News executive serves on the Dean for Lawrence Herbert School of Communication, uh, the challenge, he says, quote, uh, people start caring what the news is when they get older. People age into interest in news. Yet there's no guarantee that today's cord-cutting younger audiences will turn to cable news when they make it to that point. Meanwhile, advertisers remain most uh, confused by viewers between the ages of 25 and 54. How to reach that young generation. Now they've tried to adapt, and obviously the interweb is going to be the future of that because most places have their live streaming now on YouTube, and they have different sites for their social media so they can post stories and do live streams on there when they want to. So they're trying to adapt. But is it working? And I laughed out loud because me thinking about it is part of the young generation, the millennials. Now, I have a different skew, obviously, because I'm more conservative already. So I already have a bias against the news, and I don't like the news anyways. And and really, any news media outlet, I have to look at everything with a grain of salt. And even on conservative sites, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily believe or trust this. But there are four things that I really want if I'm going to listen to a news source. Number one, I want to be able to trust them that what they report is actually going to be accurate and unbiased. The agenda-driven stuff needs to go. And I don't know that we can ever get back away from that, which is why I openly say I am not a journalist, I am not a reporter, I am a commentator in talk radio because I read the news and then I get my opinion based on factual information and what I know about the studying research that I do and the experts that we have on the program to digest the story to see whether it's accurate or not. I'm a commentator. I am not a journalist and you need to be very well aware of the difference because even on news channels on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and CBS and everything else, they have commentators And then they have people trying to give the news where they get a lot of their information from the commentators. So tell me how that's unbiased in any way, shape, or form. I don't know that once you give your opinion, I don't even know that you can go back away from that. Even if you try to be unbiased, this goes a little bit uh, deeper into the layers of the onion here, I don't even know that you can uh, report honestly. I don't know that you can. If you try to report something, you want to say, here's what they said, here's what they said. Now, usually... They say, here's what they said, and then let's find a counterpoint to try and dismiss what they said previously, the first person said. But that's, to me, bias, because then you're just discrediting the last person that just spoke. They did that with Trump all the time. If you listen to any top-of-the-hour news reports from really any media outlet, Donald Trump said this, and then they had a Democrat saying, well, he's just a jerk and he's wrong. So they just dismissed everything Trump said. Can't believe it. Can't trust it. And I don't know that we can get back away from that. But if I am going to listen to a news source, then I want it to be trustworthy without an agenda. I want the accessibility because as a millennial, apparently, then I just want things convenient for me. So I want you to come to me as opposed to me reaching out to find you. There are so many apps on your phone now. You don't need a TV. You don't need uh, certain things. I mean, you have weather reports on your phone that comes up and, hey, here's a severe weather storm in your area based on your zip code. Like that comes automatically on your phone. You have breaking news reports. You have Amber Alerts. You have uh, social media. You have news sites that have apps. You literally just go on there and look at your sources. You don't even need to go anywhere if you already have it right there on your phone. And the ownership is the fourth one that I look at where this isn't necessarily me, 
but I think this is a lot of my generation to where if it's a major conglomerate in any way, shape, or form, they're not going to trust it already because they know there's a hidden agenda based on the money-driven politics behind the scenes. If it's a major conglomerate, ABC, Disney, whatever, there's kind of this anti-big corporation, evil corporation kind of mentality in society overall right now, especially in my younger generation, where you just don't trust them. But if I was going to listen to a news source, that's going to be it. So uh, as they say, we need to win over the younger generation. And even though the young generation is trying to warm up to the news as they get older, how do we appeal to them? That would be my stipulations. For example, there's a story out of the Mirror UK regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. This, to me, is the proof positive on why I do not trust the media in any way, shape, or form. Here's the headline. William Shakespeare, not the William Shakespeare from 200 years ago, but a current guy named William Shakespeare in the United Kingdom dies at 81 after becoming the first man in the world to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, that's kind of an interesting headline. Here's what the story says. The first man in the world that was given the COVID-19 vaccine has died at the age of 81. Uh, he made big news when he hit the global headlines back on December 8th last year when he became the first man to have the jab at the University Hospital Coventry in Warwickshire. Bill, as they finally known to him, passed away last Thursday. This story was as of like yesterday. So last Thursday, last week, he passed away after suffering a stroke at the same hospital where he famously received his COVID-19 vaccine. He was 81 years old. He was the first person in the entire world to get the COVID-19 vaccine, and he dies just months later because of a stroke. Now, obvious persons like you and I, the first question that we would have would be what? Was it related to the COVID vaccine? Now, they could just say, no, it had nothing to do with the COVID-19 vaccine. He was high stressed. He had high blood pressure. He had some issues, and he died from a stroke. And then that would put all the curiosity away. And we would be like, wow, that's really sad. The first guy to ever get the COVID-19 vaccine in the world just passed away at 81 years old. But at least he didn't die from COVID. That would be the first response. But the question would be, right? Am I wrong here? The question that I would have from reading that headline and reading the first paragraph of this story would be, was it related to the vaccine that caused the stroke? The Mirror.uk that ran this story didn't even mention it. Didn't say it's under investigation. Didn't say it has nothing to do with it whatsoever, and they've confirmed it. They didn't even reference the vaccine other than he was the first guy in the world to ever receive it. That's it. His death is sad. The mourning not only by his family, but many people that he came in contact with. He was much of a, quote, much-loved figure in the Coventry Labor Party, according to the local uh, councillors. Uh, he was apparently some local politician. Uh, he had been a parish councillor for 30 years. They said he was such a lovely man. One had real commitment, making his local area better, uh, yada, yada. And then they go on to, well, we don't know when uh, his uh, funeral is actually going to be. Not once did they mention the obvious elephant in the room. Hey, he died from a stroke. Is there... Any correlation to him being the first guy in the world to receive the COVID-19 vaccine and six months later he dies from a stroke. When there's cases of people dying from heart swelling or strokes or whatever because of COVID-19 or actually getting the virus and dying from that either as well after you get the vaccine. That's why I don't trust the media. That's why 
I have nothing. Here's another headline for you. COVID related again. According to CNBC, Moderna says that its COVID vaccine is 100% effective in teenagers and plans to seek their FDA approval by early June. Let me read that headline again from CNBC. Moderna says its COVID vaccine is 100% effective in teenagers. Now, my question is, how did you come up with that 100% effectiveness in teenagers, might I ask? They go through the story about how they surveyed, or they uh, ended up doing a study of 3,700 adolescents. No cases of COVID were observed in participants who received the two doses of the vaccine, while four cases were observed in the placebo group, according to the company. They studied 3,700 adolescents, and nobody got the virus between the ages of 12 and, what they say, 15? At 12 to 17, Moderna says, as of today, its COVID vaccine is 100% effective in the study of adolescents aged between 12 and 17 years old. Now, that doesn't take into consideration there are 25 million adolescents between 12 and 17 in the U.S. There have been a total, according to the CDC, 295 deaths of children within that range, which is a 0.00001% death rate, four zeros behind there, just so you know. Uh, they did a study of 3,700 individuals, which is a 0.0001, three zeros in that study. So you're literally taking a cup out of the ocean and saying, hey, look, there's no whales in here. That's exactly, and they said, we're 100% effective. The children are having the least amount of symptoms, the least amount of issues with COVID-19. They injected 3,700 and say, look, we're 100% effective when they literally just took a cup of water out of the ocean and tried to prove their purity of how well their vaccine works for children. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Miss part of the show don't worry about it there's plenty of ways to catch the program and here's how you can do it first make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station we're here for you second subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites youtube and itunes spotify and google play tune in podbean and more have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device last visit our website at hoosierreason.com you can listen to the podcast 
Catch our special features and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a post-Monday celebration. One of the greatest days of the entire week. Radio and TV, live streaming, podcasting, doesn't matter where you're at. We appreciate you very, very much. The trust of the media, can you reach the younger generation or is the young generation just completely gone? Now, they're considering really anybody below 60 years old as the younger generation trying to appeal to them for cable tv as they try to reach out and rebrand themselves which again i just read two stories right there that are just manipulated their lies they're they're agenda driven and they're heartbreaking because people fall for this stuff and I, I i can't anymore maybe i'm too much of a cynic now maybe i'm just tainted and damaged i don't know but i can't trust any of it and i just don't like it and i can see right through it because it's so easy to just pick apart right now with these stories i mean 100 effectiveness from the moderna vaccine give me a break you're 100% effective because there are very, very few kids actually getting COVID-19 and having serious issues. So you can take that cup out of the water of the ocean and say, oh, look, there's no whales in here. But it doesn't work that way. And good luck trying to spew that. But again, some people be like, wow, look at that. I'm going to take my kid and I'm going to take my 12-year-old child who's never had any health issues and go and get the COVID-19 vaccine because it's 100% effective. And then you don't even ask the right questions. Drive me nuts. So I did a thing, by the way, today. I want to do this before we get to the bottom of the hour break. But I did a thing today. As you know, we've, we were the first ones. The, call me crazy. Call me a loon. I don't really care. Uh, we were the first ones to start talking about this whole release of the UFO report, just to let you know. And it's coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Next week is the first week of June, which blows my mind. That's hard to believe. But the report's coming out in the next couple of weeks. And we've talked about the trend for a year now with Donald Trump announcing the Space Force, announcing the confirmation of certain video footage of different UFOs, that sort of thing. And we've kind of joked about it and talked about it, but we've kind of kept an eye on it because I keep saying something crazy is going on. And yet half the population doesn't even want to pay attention to it. They just don't care. They're too busy about their daily grind, going to work. They don't like their, you know, their, their. Uh, daily routine messed up and if you have to think a little bit harder about things out there then that's a little bit harder to grasp and that would but i mean if we had information that would shake up humanity itself it would it would shake up faith-based individuals it would shake up just our understanding of the universe as a whole now i'm not saying there's anything out there but if there were it would really kind of rattle some cages and really make us question a lot of things right And a lot of people don't like to think that deep, so they just kind of put the blinders on. I need to go to work and pay my bills, and I'm not going to worry about it, which is totally cool. But we need to think a little bit deeper. So we've covered this stuff for a year, a little bit here and there, and people kind of laugh and poke fun, but I don't really care. Uh, Today I did a thing. I reached out to the Department of Defense, and I asked them when the report was going to be released, which they said in about a month. So it may be at the end of June, not the beginning of June, which makes me very sad, number one. But I also asked the Department of Defense if we could get someone on the program to talk about the said report they are going to release from the Pentagon and the Department of Defense to Congress and make things public about this. And if we could get someone on the program to discuss it once it's released. And obviously they can't talk about anything before it's released, but can we schedule someone in advance that once it's released and once it's public, we can get someone on to talk about it? 
So I talked with them today. Super cool. Awesome, nice people. We talked to them. She sent me to a contact to the Department of National Intelligence and gave me an email which I uh, right away ended up emailing to see if, uh, again, when the report's going to come out and if we can get someone on the program to talk about it. So we're going to be one of the first ones to cover this. No, we're not like a crazy conspiracy theorist show. We're a conservative talk radio program that likes to break down common sense issues of the day. But if it's going to be a mainstream issue that people are kind of forced to discuss we're going to be on the front headlines with that one, baby. So we reached out to the Department of National Intelligence, and hopefully we can get someone on the program in the next few weeks to talk about that report once it becomes public because we I don't care. We're staying on top of that one, and we're going to have some really cool guests on to talk about it once it actually becomes public. Maybe some congressmen will talk about it as well if that's a big thing for them too. We'll see. I don't know. They may try and brush it under the rug as well, but I'm not going to let them when we talk to them here on the program. All right, Phil Kerp, an American Commitment. He'll be joining us when we come back right around the corner. It's a post-Monday celebration on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio and TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. The big question is, we talked about in the last half hour, the media and cable TV trying to reach out to younger generation. The big question for us as well is how do we reach talk radio out to younger generations too? And that's the branching out to podcasts. That's branching out to having the live streams on different social media. That's why I created a TikTok account. Oh, yes. And I have like 30 followers on there. That's cool. You can follow me on TikTok at Who's Your Reason. I'm going to try and post some videos on there on frequent, semi, semi-frequent occasion. Not a big, you know, I don't do the whole like, what is it, the fish lip kind of, you know, pictures, the uh, selfies that they do on Instagram, which we have an Instagram as well, but I don't take pictures, so I don't usually do stuff on there except for maybe some promotional posters for the show and that sort of thing. But you can find us all over our social media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, which we do have the live stream there on Twitch.tv, on Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn, uh, OurFreedomBook.com. I think that's all of them. All the links to are on the website at HoosierReason.com. Can we reach the younger crowd? Can we reach the younger generation and re-educate them with some of the issues that they're dealing with? Let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about the latest in what's trending. 
What's Trending Today. And I'm super excited to have our next guest back on the program. It's been a while since we've chatted with him with American Commitment, but excited to have back on the president of American Commitment, Mr. Phil Kirpin with us. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm good, and I'm impressed. I haven't even heard of some of the things that you're on. I mean, that's, uh, you're very, very hip on this program. Wow. Well, uh, I will say I, I may have them. About some of those. Yeah, I may not be active, but I may have them. I, I got a lot of them. So it's, it is. It's trying to reach out to, I guess, the younger generations that normally wouldn't listen to talk radio. So, hey, got got to educate them it. in other ways, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm impressed. I love it. I love it. Let's let's talk about, uh, speaking of, the younger crowd, the education system, and trying to educate. This last year, obviously, has been detrimental to the education system with COVID-19. And uh, with COVID locking schools down because of the fear of the spread, the big question is, was it really COVID or was there some other issues going on with public school? I have a six-year-old. I think I've told you this before. I mean, she did virtual this last year and still is doing virtual for tomorrow's her last day of school, which is kind of exciting for her. But, uh, I mean, with trying to get a six-year-old to pay attention to a laptop in a virtual class with a teacher for, you know, five, six hours a day, a little unreasonable. Now we're finally seeing some schools open back up, but it's been kind of a rough year. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, almost almost every place is open at this point, so that's uh, unfortunate uh, for you. I mean, it was uh, look. I mean, what what I think happened is uh, the science got derailed by politics, and you know, essentially the turning point was last summer. Uh, you might remember President Trump said, "I want all the schools to be open," and the American Academy of Pediatrics said all the schools should be open, and we had all the science coming in from Europe that schools were low risk settings and. Uh, they should be open, that they weren't going to contribute to community spread. We had kind of all this overwhelming uh, momentum. And then it just all sort of reversed, seemingly on a dime. And I think the pivot point was about 10 days after the American Academy of Pediatrics put out that great document saying all the schools should be open, no masks in elementary school, all that stuff. Uh, about 10 days later, they put out a joint statement uh, from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the teachers' unions that basically said, ignore everything we said last week. Uh, if the teachers' unions want them closed, they should be closed. And basically, the pediatricians, through their professional organization, chose left-wing coalition politics over science, over caring for the children that are supposed mm-hmm. to be their principal concern. And from that point, it just became extremely polarized politically to where conservative places had normal school or near-normal school and liberal places were closed. And, you know, it just it became, it looked like a, it looked like a presidential election map when you looked at the map of where schools were open and closed. And it, it really became a political thing, which was very unfortunate, uh, obviously, for the kids, but also just it was, it was insane on the merits of the thing because the places that were open all year didn't have any worse outcomes in terms of pediatric cases or hospitalizations or anything else or community transmission. They didn't have any worse outcomes than the places that were closed. It was the same. So it was just a really, and then, you know, then then we had sort of the sequel to that uh, in the winter, in February, when, you know, kind of a lot of us thought, okay, they use this to help win the election, they're they're done with the politics of it, now all the schools will open, and we were waiting for that CDC opening guidance to come out, and then the thing came out, and it was more like a CDC closing guidance, it was, you know, I mean, they had a map of the country that was all red, and they said in the red area, schools should be closed. And it was like they had the six feet and all this stuff, and it was like, uh, you know, a real baffler, sort of the opposite of what everyone expected. 
And then we found out that the teachers' unions had basically dictated whole sections of it that were cut and pasted into it, and they, they, you know, they had access to the CDC director's cell phone, and they were talking to her and getting it written the way they wanted. And it looked to me like they basically uh, flushed, you know, in more liberal areas, they flushed another couple of months of what should have been, you know, classroom instruction um, for a shakedown. Now, this time it was it wasn't electoral politics, it was money politics, you know, to get that $125 billion from taxpayers in the $1.9 trillion Biden stimulus bill, uh, almost none of which gets spent this year, by the way. Most of it doesn't get spent until 2023 and later, but uh, they basically derailed the CDC guidance from an opening document to a closing gui- document to say, hey, we can't open unless you give us $125 billion. Uh, and then sort of when the ransom was paid, they sort of loosened their grip and, and most places have opened. But, you know, to, to the point that you just made, a lot of places like schools in California, they're opening for like a week or two and then the school year's over. <laughs> Good golly. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, so it wasn't it, even a concern of health then because the, the argument was that, well, teachers are going to spread it, even though kids don't get sick necessarily from COVID or nearly as much as what adults do, that d- adults are going to be there and they're around other kids. They're around elderly individuals there. I mean, they may be elderly or health issues. So that was the argument that they came out with was that it was going to spread mostly to teachers and adults from the children who don't necessarily get it. And then they tried to say, well, uh, as you mentioned, kind of the middle ground of instead of six feet social distancing, you can do two or three feet distance, which was like normal. They published this paper, Andy, from Wisconsin. They published this paper from Wisconsin that basically found no matter how high community rates are, even when it's sky high at the peak of the wave, schools are much safer than the community. And therefore, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the best place to be for the kids and teachers. And they published this paper. So everyone kind of thought, oh, great, they're going to say all the schools should be open. And then then they didn't. Then they ignored their own paper. And it was really when they got shamed uh, by the authors of that paper, they had like a really influential op-ed in USA Today where they basically said like the CDC is ignoring the paper that we wrote for them. <laughs> and and that I think is, is what, you know, uh, at least was the excuse they used to, to correct themselves. As I said, I think it had more to do with the, the ransom was paid. <laughs> and so they were, they were uh, willing to, to loosen the grip a little bit, but it's really been a disgraceful thing. And unfortunately, a lot of kids are in a hole. They're in a hole now educationally. They're in a hole now social, emotionally, and uh, in terms of their interpersonal skills. And you know, it's um, it's going to be a challenge. And but we, you know, I really think everybody on all sides of this debate, and whether you think the closures were a good idea or a bad idea or whatever, I mean, we really need to focus on getting all these kids out of the hole and getting them the remediation, getting them the social interaction, yeah. you know, getting them everything they can, because otherwise it's going to have lifelong consequences for these kids. Well, it is that. I mean, that's the next question is now moving forward. Are we going to see fully open schools again next year because of the money involved in the ransom being paid? And what's it going to take to get these kids caught up to essentially losing a good chunk of a school year on education because of trying to do virtual, not paying attention to the classroom, not paying attention on the computer, and uh, really missing well, out on a lot never of even logged in too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of kids never even logged in. They 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 truly lost the whole year. I mean, look, I think that um, New York City said they're going to be full time in person next year, and I think that's a pretty good indicator that it's going to be everywhere. And so that's the really good news is uh, I I think that we're we're past uh, the fight over open versus closed. I think the dividing line now is going to be masked versus not masked. And interestingly, if you look at the map on that, it looks exactly like the open versus closed map six months ago. And so it's the uh, it's the same 
the same places that had the schools closed now have them masked. And, uh, you know, that's not as bad, at least you're in their learning, but it means that life isn't normal for those kids. And I think that continues to do a, a major disservice to them, especially because we now have a lot of data on uh, masking kids, and there, there's no statistically significant benefit. Basically, the masked schools had the same outcomes as the unmasked schools. The CDC did have a study showing that teacher masking seemed to have a benefit, but that's kind of irrelevant now that they can all be vaccinated if they want to. So the fact there was really no statistical benefit to student masking means this is like an obsolete fight on the merits. And yet I think, you know, for virtue signaling or politics or whatever it is, you're going to see the liberal areas keep the masks on kids maybe for another whole year. So that's, I think, going to be the big fight in this next school year. It's not going to be open versus closed, but it's going to be masked versus not masked. And I just think we owe it to kids to give them normal, right. to give them a normal environment. And, and so I'm really against the mask. Yeah, we're talking with Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org. We got just about a minute left, but last question for you regarding masks, but taking it another step further, the headline from CNBC today is that Moderna says their COVID vaccine is 100% effective with teenagers. Are we going to see mandatory vaccinations for kids to go back into the classroom for 12 and up? You know, I really hope not. I think that, uh, you know, we're talking about something that is still an exper- an investigational technology, and uh, I would like to see them. I would have liked to see the FDA say you've got to submit a, a biological license application rather than using an EUA process for kids uh, because uh, the risk is so low for children. In fact, you know, the, the mortality risk, and I ran these numbers just to sort of get a sense of perspective, the, the mortality risk uh, with COVID for someone under 18 and unvaccinated is lower than anyone vaccinated over the age of 30. <laughs> and, and, and it's 100 times lower than a vaccinated person over the age of 75. So we're talking about minuscule risk, uh, even if kids are unvaccinated. And, and that particular trial, there were only four cases in the placebo arm. So, yeah. I mean, if a parent wants to and a kid wants to, I, I'm not against them having that choice, but it should not be mandatory. It's going to be the big debate moving forward. Uh, Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. Phil, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do this again real soon. All right. Have a good one. Hey, you as, too, you as well. Appreciate it very much. We'll wrap up right here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. With Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online. 
Nation, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Wrapping up the program. Thanks again to Phil Kirpin coming on the program. American Commitment. AmericanCommitment.org if you want to check out more information on him. Interesting conversation. It's funny how money plays so much into this COVID pandemic over the last year, doesn't it? The school shutting down. Oh, we really didn't need to shut down, but we feel fearful, so therefore you need to sign us a big fat check to the public school districts, and then we'll consider opening up again. Oh, I'm sorry, health officials, where you say it's totally fine for kids to go back to school and actually safer for kids to be in school right now. Uh, that's not quite where we stand, and we feel uncomfortable as a teacher's union, so we're going to tell our teachers not to go back into the classroom until vaccines are out there and you sign us a big old check over, and then we'll consider it. Then we'll consider it. Then we talk about how much money has actually been made by the pharmaceutical companies over the last quarter with just the vaccine alone for COVID-19. And now they want to make it a booster. If you heard Dr. Fauci on that one as well. Again, get it, get it, get it, don't get it. I don't really care. But know where it's coming from and know exactly who's running the push to make that happen. Real quickly, speaking of the last year with COVID pandemic, the big question is going to be obviously with schools is going to decide on whether to wear masks and whether to vaccinate children. They eventually want to just vaccinate all kids with it, especially like the newborns where it's going to be like, here's your round of shots for everything. We're going to include COVID in there as well. And that to me is extremely concerning and it drives me nuts, but that's a discussion for another time. But along with children and the lockdowns, as you know, with many businesses that did shut down and have to close doors for a while because of the pandemic or trying to alter the way that they actually run their business because of the pandemic, that the government was handing out the PPP loans, the personal protection plan loans or whatever they were, trying to keep businesses afloat during the pandemic. And shocker, when there's money involved, scandals arise. Shocker, when there's money involved, then people end up abusing the system to take advantage of it with money. That's how the teachers' unions work nationwide. That's how the government worked nationwide. That's how the health departments ran nationwide. That's how the doctors ran nationwide. Oh, you're very scared. Don't worry about the simple things you can do to protect yourself. Just wait until we tell you what to do. Well, according to the latest, there's hundreds of PPP loans that went out nationwide that went to fake businesses. Now... I don't know if they just didn't think there was going to be an audit afterwards. I don't know if they just thought they could get away with it, but they were pretty obvious with some of these. The Ritter Wheat Club, the Tomato Cramber, the Seaweed Blyman, and others that I can't say on the radio. Random names of businesses that were started to apply for the PPP loans. 
that are now coming back and actually getting in trouble because of the audit from the IRS and from the federal government saying, oh, wait a second, these aren't real businesses. We're going to look into this just a little bit more. Again, I don't know if they just thought, wow, this will never happen. We're just handing out money. I can just take this money. It's all good. There's a lot of businesses that are now coming back and actually that used it inappropriately. There was one story, I believe it was out of New York, that ended up getting, he had like one employee. He claimed he had like 10. He got all this money. He bought himself a new Lamborghini and used all the funds for personal expenses and pleasures because why the heck not? The government's not going to know how big my business is. The government's not going to go, au contraire, the government knows everything about you. Just to give you a heads up on that one, the government knows everything about you and they're going to watch you and they may be handing out money, but it doesn't come without a price tag, if you know what I mean. They are, and we've used this example many times before, they are the mafia, they are the mob. Hey, don't worry, we'll take care of you, but you need to do something for us. And that is uh, be under the control of the federal government forever once you accept that money, which is why we try to advocate for states to be as financially independent as possible and not accept that federal grant money coming into states. But that's another story for another time again. And that's kind of unreasonable and kind of a pipe dream at this point with how much money comes into each state and the states loving it, loving it with how much money comes in uh, each year to the states from the federal government. But there's some that got up to $20,000 for the maximum amount available for sole proprietorships that ended up falsifying their applications for the PPP, and now they're coming back and getting in trouble, which is good. I mean, good for them actually you know, catching bad guys trying to steal money. Here in the state of Kansas, unemployment claims, fraudulent claims, reach like six to seven hundred million dollars on how much money went out fraudulently on unemployment claims here just in our state in the state of kansas so you know there's a lot of fraud that needs to be cleaned up and we need to find it but there it is people trying to take advantage of the system shocker right i know that's heartbreaking news that you never thought would ever happen with people taking advantage when money's involved but there you have it tomorrow is wednesday middle of the week we got the global tax as they try to go after large evil corporations, some countries not wanting the global tax. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Plus, we'll have some great guests as well leading up to your Memorial Weekend. Until then, it's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Everybody have a great Tuesday. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.